Listen out loud, that is. It's time for Anime Jam Session with DJ Ronma S, Mako-chan, and Ari Rockefeller. Hey everyone, welcome to Anime Jam Session, episode number 208. We are that podcast that talks about anime, games, conventures, the fandom, geek stuff, and everything in between. I'm DJ Ron Mess. I'm the Ari Rockefeller. And I'm Mako-chan. Whoa, 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 hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. What are you eating? Me? I'm not eating anything. Oh, it sounded like you were eating something. No, I was typing something out on my computer. Oh, I was going to say, in that case, you better hope you brought enough for everybody. <laughs> And as that last song goes, winter's fucked up, and I don't know about you, but I'm I'm kind of sick and tired of it. I, I'm, I oh immensely. Yeah, you know me. I love the snow. I mean, last year I had no problem. With it. The fact that it's snowing on the East Coast around here, and it's spring. Now I have a problem. Not the first time it's happened. Shut up. Yeah, but we can, can still complain about it, you know. Just saying, not the first time it's happened. Well, not twice when, not twice in the spring season, has it? Yeah, spring is a crazy mofo. Uh, so you're saying spring is bipolar? Spring is a bitch. And as Sarah Ackerman says in our chat room at live.vognetwork.com, it is fucked up. We are live tonight, week of March 24th, 2015, on the VOG Network. We're here Tuesdays at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, with replays Thursdays at 1 p.m. Um, yes, 1 p.m. Eastern. Check out our interactive chat room at live.vognetwork.com. Chat clients such as Merck, XChat, Chatzilla, can use irc.gamesearch.net. The chat room is VOG, V-O-G. Or you can head on over to AnimeJamSession.com slash network. There is a link. You click on that. Whatever your default chat client is, it'll bring you directly into the chat. So we can rock and roll. <sighs> let's get let's get the ball, the show on the road. Ari, how was your week and how was your day? Uh, most of it was work-related stuff. Mm. Not a whole lot going on on my end, I don't think. Uh, let's see. I did see Chappie, I think it was either this weekend or last weekend. Now, how was that, it? It was pretty good. It wasn't what I was expecting it to be. Was it? <clears throat> Most good. I don't, I don't want to spoil anything for anyone who might see it. My friend had suggested uh, going to see it a while ago, and I guess he got it from At Midnight, because one, one of the guests was uh, in the movie and, like, after a while, I just kept saying "chappy" almost like every five minutes. Mm. You know, just beating data, him dropping into our heads. Uh, let's see what else though. I got paid today, and I found out that the garnishment that was on my check finally expired. They had squeezed out all the money they're gonna get from me, and I don't have to worry about my paychecks being as small anymore. What happened? Uh, some old credit card I had in college. Oh, yeah, I know that feeling. I remember one of those caught up to me, and I saw the paperwork, and I was like, the hell? And oddly enough, what happened was, they sent me a letter, but I never got it. Mind you, I had already changed my address like two, like six weeks in advance, so whatever. I could afford it, but I'm like, you know what? It's got to be paid off anyway, so fuck it. So, please continue. Sorry. And, uh, it's, 
Yeah, the uh, the stuff got sent to my old house, but mm -hmm. you know we had we had left there in like August, so I don't know why why people are still getting that shit wrong. Also, uh, Paul Heyman now has a T-shirt of his own. He's always had a T-shirt of his own. Nah, yeah, I mean the ones where it was like, because I'm a Paul Heyman guy, that was usually CM Punk's. Mm-hmm. But it was like one actually, it's like his. You know, it's it's listed under his on the WWE's website. You know, it says "Eat, Sleep, Promo, Repeat." Ah. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I pre-ordered it because it's like the most awesome shirt I've seen in a long time. <laughs> gotcha. So yeah, that's all shit's been going for me. All right. Mako-chan, how was your week? How was your day? Um. My week was extremely tiring mm. because, uh, like idiots, when they fixed the schedule for this week, they had me working the first five days of the week and off the last two days. So I have six days off in a row. Hooray! Thanks. Yeah, thanks to needing off for ZenkaiCon. Um, and when they realized that they had done that they they kind of kicked themselves so that that was kind of cool mm -hmm. but yeah so the last five days i've done absolutely nothing but work um trying to get ready for zenkai con trying to get my crap together not fully working but yeah enjoy your mini vacation I am going to. I've been so stressed lately that this weekend I don't want to think about anything that I don't have to. Booze, booze, then more booze. Exactly. Mm. I just want to eat, drink, and be merry. Um, I got nothing wrong with that, you know, shit. So, yeah, so... I'm just attempting to finalize what I need for staffing because that is one of my stresses because my staff schedule is weird. <laughs> I had one of my staffers uh, need to drop out about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, and it was never properly deleted from the full schedule that Whoop. everybody uses to sign up for. Whoops. Yeah, so I realized the issues last night, and I'm trying to get together with everybody and fix that fairly quickly, seeing as how, you know, everybody will be leaving for the convention on Thursday. Yeah, I'm leaving straight from work. Yeah, I'm leaving straight from my interview. I thought you were going well, you home know what, first I'm, to change. Well, I am going home to change. That's what I meant. Sorry. Yeah, and I just Sorry talked to... Sorry for stepping out like that. Mm -hmm. That's all right. I yeah, I just have to... I'm to work TV remote again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the only thing I have to do on Thursday is I will pack the car and uh, then go pick Ronma up. Yay. Yay. <laughs> All right, my weekend days, it's just been the same old, just job hunting and sending out resumes and so forth. So I do have a interview tomorrow, and I have one on Thursday. And once those are out the way, come back here, grab my suitcase, 
I make my way to Zenkai. And I did run into my other friend, uh, Robert. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I let him borrow my Power of Love sword because he cosplayed Scott Pilgrim versus uh, Scott Pilgrim from Scott Pilgrim versus the World some time back. So now that I have that back, I can pack that and be ready to go. Hold on. Maybe I should go <coughs> with Stephen Stills. If you want to, because um, I'm cosplaying with with a Roxanne, so more the merrier. Huh. I'll I'll let her know. That'd be pretty cool. And also. Mm. You got something good over there? No, hold on, hold on. I have no idea what that's all about. You know when you start talking, next thing you know, something gets caught, like, something, like, irritates your throat and you can't really talk, something like that? Mm-hmm. That's what that was. But, um, I also have a couple of, like, anime and DVD and game cases here ready to be signed and so forth. And, you know, that's just about it. Plus, Ari, we can redo that interview with Lauren Landa that screwed up at um at AAC. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to double check the footage. I don't think the audio came through properly, so at least we got that. So you know. Oh man. Let's see what's going on in the chat room. Um, everyone is talking pretty much cosplay work. Uh, Serenity four ten eight is getting ready to make her move. Um, Sarah Ackerman is working on Asuna from Sword Art Online. And, by the way, I think Log Horizon is much better than Sword Art Online, but, hell, I think Hack is better than Sword Art Online, so, that's just me. Hmm. Let's go ahead, take our first break, and when we get back, we got something important we want to cover first, and then we're going to get right into the thicket of things with the news. Okay, then. Okie dokie. Loki? Sure. All right. We'll be back.
Okay. Before we begin uh, tonight's uh, show, we want to kind of talk about something that happened about, I'd say about a good 20 years ago. I don't think many of the current generation of fans know this or actually knew this happened. They might have known through reading articles or Wikipedia, but me, Mako, Ari, we were of we remember this. We remember reading this on the news, um, reading it in the papers. Uh, 20 years ago, uh, March 20th, 1995, there was a sarin gas attack in uh, Tokyo subway. 13 people died from it, and 6,300 people were injured. And by injured, they were just sickened from inhaling the toxic nerve gas. This was done by a, I say a cult, called Om Supreme Truth. And they did this during rush hour, which, yeah. There have been several trials over the last 20 years about in regards to this. The cult leader, Shoko Asahara, is on death row. And... And that's the way it's been. It's been 20 years since then, and and it's a reflection back to to what's going on in other parts of the world, other how you say like new uh, terrorist threats and so forth. This was more within the country of Japan itself, and the guy who runs it, who was who is leader. Is, is is what you call a half-blind mystic. But the thing is that Ohm Supreme Truth is still around. They've never disbanded. They're just broke. They were financially bankrupted after paying out payments to the families of those who died from the event. There were people, there are people who are still part of it who have gone more or less in separate ways and started their own groups and so forth. And, you know, it's not really good. One of the groups is called Aleph, and supposedly the numbers are around 1,650 people. As part of the article say, some justify Asahada's murderous orders as instructions to help his followers achieve enlightenment, according to Public Security Intelligence Agency, which monitors cults. Yeah, this, if you remember, there was the cult in Waco, Texas that happened about around that same time, it's the same thing where you do these killings for enlightenment for your for yourself, be a better person. But that's not really the case. So, um, let's see. Um, one of the a lawyer who has worked on the case is uh, Yuji Nakamura. He he had said. We are seeing death row inmates speak before our eyes. They are very articulate, bright, and polite. Some of them behave almost like monks. He also goes on record saying that all cult members did not hold grudges against their victims. Rather, they murdered and caused harm for what they believe were just reasons. So. Things are still going in Japan in regards to this. So, hopefully soon, the final chapter will close and the death sentences will be carried out and maybe just maybe 
things will continue along in a bit of a normal semblance of life. And if we go into the chat room at live.vognetwork.com, a um, couple of people are talking about how old they were when it happened, and, and, I, and I get that. And if you want more information about this, just hit up Wikipedia. And just take a look. There's a lot of it. You'll see the full article and then resources where you can read up on more information in regard to it. So, bunch of fucking whack jobs. Yeah, every group has their whack jobs. I mean, in a way, you can't blame them, but on the same token, it's like for the greater good, they didn't see the forest for the trees. It's the whole thing is it's mm-hmm. been going on forever everywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We've got, you know, just as many people here at, with quote unquote domestic terrorism. And it, it's it's all the same. Mhm. Everywhere it's, you know, a couple of people that don't like what's going on. I mean, we've got the Westboro Baptist Church. Yeah. Where if you know, they they just do their stuff a little bit differently. Pretty much. And like I was mentioning before, like uh, David Koresh and his cult, you know, similar mm-hmm. thing, you know. It's all very, very bad people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Now that we 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 have uh, gotten that out of the way, let, let's let's move along. Um, I, I'll cover this real quick. Um, one of the things that I like doing at conventions is going into Artist Alley because you can find so much unique work. And I'm talking like you could have like two plushy sellers right next to each other, but they'll each have their unique style. And their own spring spin on things, which I think is pretty awesome. But at a convention in Canada at Toronto Comic Con, something is going differently. Have anyone here ever heard of stencil art? Uh, um, I know what a stencil is, but the amount of stencil art is the uh, Banksy stuff that. Uh... It gets the plastic around town. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty much what it is. Um, I think stencil art's pretty cool. But what's not cool is when you take stencil art and base it off of somebody else's work. There is an artist by the name of Alex Baker who runs the page Positively Negative Art. As it says on his site, we look at things differently and we can only turn and we can turn any image into a totally original work of art. Pretty much he takes people's artwork and does stencil art style to it. I'm looking at here on the uh on the image of his booth and one of the, one of the things I have previewed is the scene of Jules and a uh, Vince from Pulp Fiction only with deep with the helmets of the guys from Daft Punk over their heads. Yeah, I see that, yeah. It sounds That's... like it's nothing more... Like, 
it's uh, pretty similar to, you know, people like making their own designs or like, or, or even better yet, one of those t-shirt a day places. Mm-hmm. They sell the t-shirt mashup ideas. Yes. Yep. Shit like that. Yeah, but the difference is with those t-shirt a day places. Mm-hmm. That's somebody. Somebody's taking like known artwork, doing their own style to it, and doing a parody per se, which is fa- mm-hmm. which is perfectly okay under fair use law. It's not when it's when you're taking that person's hard work and is doing a stencil design on top of it and just selling it. You know, that's to me that's a blatant ripoff. I mean, if all he's doing is copying, you know, stenciling somebody's work, obviously that is a blatant ripoff. Mm-hmm. But with something like this, with the, you know, the Pulp Fiction picture. Right. So many people have done so many different variations of it. Yeah. See, Can you really call that, you know... Why, why, why would this guy be uh, any more, you know... Infringing and the people, people, the people, people, the other people who uh, did the same thing before him. Exactly. I mean, I've seen it with the doctors from mm-hmm. Doctor Who. So I've I. seen it with characters from, you know, freaking the Muppets. Yep. Goku and Vegeta. Yep. I was thinking that too. Yep. Yeah. So I mean, if everybody's basically taking the same bodies and just putting different heads on it, aren't they all technically stencil artists? No. No. That's not stencil art. What they're doing is their own parody of it. It they take they like for example, let let's do the whole thing from pulp fiction again. Instead of it being our main two characters, let's put in Donatello and Raphael in suits, turtle heads, and instead of holding the guns out they're holding out their weapons. You have your see, you have your crossover right there. That falls on the parody fair use. Also, that person has their own style to it. It won't look like the current rendition of Ninja Turtles that we see in the comics or in the cartoon. It's how he perceives it. That's fine. Or it could be anything else. Now, if you're just taking... I mean, let's say that person has that artwork. I make a stencil of that. And all I do is make the stenciling and I just fill it in with two or three colors and put it up there. That's a blatant ripoff. Because I'm not just ripping off the original, but I'm ripping off this guy's work too. But Yeah, but I'm not seeing that as what this guy is doing. Mm. I don't know. I, I'm, not, I'm not seeing it. I'm just seeing it as, you know... He's just stenciling somebody else's hard work. Yeah, I don't see that. I mean, can't you tell by from the the work that's in his picture? I mean, on that main picture, look be- past the um the Pulp Fiction one. I mean, look at the one for Superman, Batman. That's somebody else's work. He's stenciling. Hmm. Mm, well, some you know, of it I can see, yeah. but at the same time, some of it looks like nothing more than the vectors you would find online anyway that people sell. Yeah, you know what? That it sounds it, like it, a real gray area. To yeah, I was yeah, I was about to say if it does seem like a gray area, it's like you can, but you can't until the original artists start bitching about it. 
Have at it. Yeah, I mean, this one here is obviously vector and stenciling. Like, I'm looking at um, Ash from Evil Dead. It's from the cover of one of the boxes. It's Ash with his chainsaw and his shirt ripped completely open. But the way that it's done, you know, it's a new piece of art based off of that picture. Mm. And, I mean, some of the stuff I'm looking at, yes, it's, you know, it's Superman, it's Venom, it's Wolverine. But at the same time, you know, he's he's doing the art himself. But, like, I can get that, you know, it's a stencil, but mm-hmm. he's, if he's, as long as he's changing enough of it that it's not a blatant copy, it, it seems like nothing more than the people that, you know, normally go and do fan art pictures of these characters. All right. I'll, I'll give you that, but I'm just saying, yeah, it is a great area, but I just still see it as, you know, still a bit of a ripoff, you know what I'm saying? I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, but at the same time, I can go online and find, you know, 15 different people selling 15 different designs for a Super Saiyan uh, gym shirt, and I've seen, a, I've seen three or four. I know there's more. Oh, yeah. And they're all basically the same lineup. Just, you know, either the picture of Goku or the picture of Vegeta is a little bit different. So, I mean, it's... it's They're still copying off of somebody's original idea. I guess it's... But they're changing it enough to mm-hmm. be original. Yeah, that's what I was about to it say. It sucks, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's fair use. They're changing enough of it to have it be an original art. It's a dick move, sometimes. Well, I mean, it's, it, it's the merchant equivalent of soft banning something. Like, as I say, it's not specifically banned, but you, but doing so just it, you, you'd get you know you, you get looked on as being a dick. I don't know. I mean, if that's the case, then everybody that does artwork of fan art, you know, artwork of Sailor Moon to make it look like the original art, like artistry Mm -hmm. um, and sells it. Anybody that's taking those characters and making money off of it, wouldn't they be, you know, considered just as evil? I guess it's based on how you view it. Another word I'd use for it. I think it's based on more how how the view, how you perceive it, you know? Yeah, I mean, some of these people, all they do is they take a general picture and put a new outfit on the character. All of a sudden, because they've put a new outfit on the character, it's fan art. And they can sell it. Maybe they're all counting on, like, so many people doing all, doing so many different, you know, variations of it that trying to bring the hammer down on every single one of them would just be an exercise in futility. Probably. Mm. I think the whole thing is to see exactly what would constitute how much of the original character has to be left before it's considered copyright. 
because I've seen most of the stuff on his portfolio and it's all fictional characters. It's, you know, fictional characters from Marvel, it's fictional characters from DC. So, I mean, and people make money off of parodies of this. So, you know, it all depends on just how much of the original picture has to be left. Because we all know that, um, what's his face? Is Gene Simmons' son. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that. With that whole thing. Yep. Where he that blatantly blatant copied. Tracing. Well, yeah, that's, that's what this guy is doing. It's blatant tracing. But at the same time, he changed, you know, the eye pattern. It was a different characteristic. It's different clothing. And, you know, as much as these artists were pissed off, this guy was not, you know, sued. Or if he was, he didn't lose. <sighs> yeah. I mean, because if that's the case, then the calendar I have right next to me, which is Doctor Who inspired, which has, you know, a legit TARDIS on there saying police box and all of that, it would be, you know, considered illegal to sell. So it all t- it all depends on just how much of that object is, you know, is considered copying it. It also depends on just how much of it, you know, is fair use. It's, as you said, very, very gray. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I don't think there is a right or wrong answer for this. Or one that we're not going to find out tonight. Mm. Oh, definitely not. So, next up. Anyone from the left or to the right can take it. I'll take it. Go ahead. <clears throat> it's about Adult Swim's anime experiment. Wait, Adult Swim has an anime experiment? Yeah. Last time they did that, their ratings tanked. Uh-huh. Let's see. Over the past couple of months, a few changes have been made to Toonami. The shortening of the block by two hours and the addition of Kill a Kill to the lineup for starters... The past couple of weeks, I've seen another change in the anime side of Adult Swim, though, with Dragon Ball Z Kai having its last episode run it at 8 p.m. and w- it's sorry, latest episode, and One Piece joining in at 8:30. Interesting move for Adult Swim. What could be recently seen as a bit of downsizing for Toonami, given the reason for its from midnight to 5:30 a.m. While Dragon Ball Z Kai had an impressively early time slot for the programming back block at 12 a.m., while One Piece wasn't quite as fortunate, having a much later slot at 2.30. Given that the reason for cutting the block in the first place was due to low ratings in the later hours, it appears as if some, someone in Adult Swim needs to have a high, seems to have a high opinion of One Piece, and given the popularity of the series, it is not misplaced. However, this could be a good thing, and Jason the Marco, Adult Swim employee and head of Toonami, points out these shows do good ratings, why they'll remain there. The fact that anime would be caught up, would become a part of Adult Swim's usual lineup, alongside staples such as American Dead, King of the Hill, and other popular series, <clears throat> could be towards having anime more widely available, as opposed to just on Saturday night, when you're probably doing more than just sitting at home. So, so it sounds like they're hedging their bets on these two very big franchises in order to garner more interest in anime. No. You don't see it this working out for them? No. <sighs> Look. It's the same shit that happened with Thundercats. What happened? 
the ratings. It was a good time slot, but at the same time, it was a dead man's news time slot. I mean, generally, most people are out Friday nights during that time slot with Thundercats, which pretty much called for the low ratings and the cancellation. I, I think it's coming down to the point where nobody wants to stay up to 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning to watch anime. Especially when half the titles that are pretty much are on Toonami are available on demand. I think they should just do Toonami from 8 p.m. to maybe 2 a.m., give or take. Do it like that. And then just re just do a repeat of, of some of some of the shows and that's it. Cause I don't know about you. <coughs> I don't even know how the hell I end up with a social life, but almost every Saturday, I am out hanging out somewhere, and I don't get home to about two thirty, three o'clock in the morning. And the last thing I'm thinking about is what what did I miss or what's coming up next. I'm ready to check email and call it a night, you know. You at the very least could also, you know, DVR it or uh, you know catch it on Hulu or Netflix or whatever. Yeah, but here's the thing. Okay, DVR is one thing. And that that would help the ratings. But going with, oh, I missed it. I'll catch it on Hulu. That doesn't really help the ratings per se. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, if, if we, I mean, half the t- reason why most of us have Netflix, Hulu, Crunchyroll, and all these other sites, because we want to be able to watch these shows that are coming up on TV whenever we want. But here's thing that makes it interesting like Kill the Kill has been on streaming for a while I was able to finish watching the series that way Kill the Kill is now premiering on Toonami now this is perfect for those who don't have access to streaming services but what's also as cool is that it's not the subtitled version because most anime that is streaming is subtitled only because you know it's cheaper that way so for some of us who've seen it subtitled, this is our chance to watch it dubbed. And those who, who and those who support the dub more than the subtitled, this is their chance as well. But I just think they just need to think about the fact that it's just easy just to shorten it because more people are going out, more people are watching streaming. You know, if they really want to do something good, whenever a company licenses a show or something like that. Put it on Toonami first. Then put it on streaming. Do that. Mm-hmm. I agree. Especially since most of these shows are viewable because a lot of them are on Funimation. Mm-hmm. So a lot of them, you don't even need a streaming channel. You can go on Funimation.com and watch them. Yep. And let's head on over to our chat room at live.bugnetwork.com. Oye1984 says, Saturday in New York party time. You Trust me, brother. I feel you on that. He's like, I'm not home. There you go. Um, Deadpool 20 is like, awesome. I love Kill the Kill. You know? Sarah Ackerman was like, I won't be watching any Toonami until Attack on Titan Season 2 is out winter of next year. But there are other great shows on Toonami you can watch, so, you know, you just can't completely turn your back, you know? It exasperates the problem. Mm-hmm. 
And, then Sarah, and she also says, on Saturdays, I can't stay up and watch anime on Saturdays. I remember when they started doing Toonami, they had Voltron, G-Force, all that at 3.30. I used to do that, then after a while, I'm like, I just can't stay up this late anymore. I'm just too tired, you know? Especially, mm-hmm. you know, I used to have to be up and get up at work, be at work from work like from like 11 to 9 or 12 to 9 or something like that. So, you know. But, yeah. All right. Okay. Um, moving on. Moving on. Dun, 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 dun. So, uh, it seems that the trailer for the Attack on Titan live-action movie, or at least one of the trailers, has finally uh, come up. Oh, that's good. Um, it's actually pretty awesome-looking, and seems like they're just taking, you know, the anime and the manga and, you know, doing it line for line. At least that's what it seems like in the trailer itself. They're not um, fucking up the adaptation. No, but again, if they're going to put something on the trailer, it's going to be something that people are obviously going to recognize. Yeah. But How do the Titans there's... look? Um, quite creepy, actually. Does that thing how Japan does an anime movie a lot better than Hollywood? Yeah. I mean, look at the Kenshin movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, hell, even the Ronma one half of uh, TV movie special they did, it was campy, but it was on point. Yeah, I I have to agree with that one. Ronma's supposed to be cheesy and uh, campy and fun. True, but still, you know, you still got it on point regardless. You you actually had like a really serious storyline in there too. But yeah, the the live action Titans are really quite creepy because it goes into you know the whole war before the um before the walls went up mm-hmm. so you see these armies of titans and it, it's kind of creepy i think you know i think got something good here you know i really think so i i definitely think so yeah um you see the first attack when the wall falls. During this whole thing, you see a lot of the various characters that you recognize. Yes. Um, which is kind of cool, because obviously if you can recognize them in a live-action form, they're doing something really, really well. Yeah. I still I, I want it to be really good, but I just... I'm just hoping that it doesn't, you know, really fucked up like other other adaptations. No, Japan does really, really well with their Mm -hmm. anime adaptations, which is why I get really, really pissed off when the U.S. decides to do one first. That's why I'm being a little skeptical. Yeah, but no, the, the Japanese are really, really good, and this is the Japanese version. It's not, you know... What we talked about the other week, where Sony was putting stuff out and it looked like it was American version coming out. This is definitely the Japanese version, and again, they did really, really well with it. Um, what is CGI doesn't, you know, it's not that campy-looking CGI, 
it, it's as realistic as you can, you know, get with something that's, you know, giant people that don't have skin. Mm-hmm. That devour other people. Yeah. As for the live action stuff, they say, you know, if you want to get it done right, you should get someone who's a fan of the series to do it. Yeah, that, that that's a bit of a double-edged sword right there, because a person who's a big fan of the series will do it right. Will know what needs to go where, what needs to go here. Now, someone, and also, those people who are fans of the series, they have their fanboyish, fangirlish tendencies. And you know they're going to make a change where they think it's right, but it's not good for anybody else. I think, personally, if I was producing a live-action Ronma one-half movie, I could play it down the line. I really could. You asked me that ten years ago, the final product wouldn't be nowhere as close. No, because you're going to put your own opinions, your own likes, your own dislikes. Exactly. It takes somebody that can actually, you know step back from that to do a really well-made movie. And or also, let's say you do want to put in your likes and your dislikes. You got to be able to take them, then step back and be and ask yourself, will it work? Will it play out right? You know? Like, if... Now, it's already been said by Rumiko Takahashi that Ryoga and Ukyo are non-canon. But if you ask any of the fans of the series, they ship Ryogen Ukio hard because that's oh, yeah, how it's that's supposed. The other part, the shipping. Yeah, yeah, because that's how it's supposed. That's how you know they want it to be. Even though in the back of the book, Ukio ends up with Subasa Kurenai, and Ryoga ends up with this with Akari Unryu. But if I was doing the movie, I would do a scene where you know Ryogen Ukio are kind of like near each other and they kind of glance whatever kind of acknowledge the shipping but they still gotta do their own thing you know well see that that's always in a TV show yes um, even going for American TV that's done a lot mm-hmm. uh, if you look at Supernatural there is oh god um, there's a whole thing of you know the the, the brothers being together or Dean and Castiel being together or, you know, and they always put, you know, something sly in there for fans mm-hmm. that, you know, will be them looking at each other or saying something awkward and getting this, you know, really bizarre look. That's if you're a good director, that is also going to be in there. Mm-hmm. It's just going to be very subtle so they can still say, no, that's not what, you know, we were going for. But then, I mean, Sometimes the actors that are doing it will come out and let you know that, you know, this is how it was, even though it's never going to come out in canon form. Right. And that was just done with Doctor Who. (laughs) Uh, David Tennant said that, you know, even though it will never be said, the Doctor and Rose were a couple. And it will never be said. Because, you know, that's not what Doctor Who is about or anything like that. But David Tennant, who played the Doctor, says, you know what, that's, you know, you can think what you think, but this is, you know, it will never be said, but this is what I feel. Mm. Which, again, it's one actor saying what his opinion is. And his opinion is he played the Doctor as if the Doctor was dating Rose. 
Ah, okay. So, I mean, I think you can find that in any TV show, and a good director will play on it. But a good director is also going to not screw with canon. Right. So it will never be, you know... You know, off-canon couplings will never happen in anime. They'll never happen in the movies, unless it's a bad director doing it. Or if they're, or if they're convinced that the creator will just declare the thing non-canon in retrospect. Mm-hmm. Well, that too. But, I mean, there's also, you know, trying to make things PC by changing, you know, people's sex or changing their race or this or that. So, I mean, then you start getting, oh, well, it's canon to the movies, but it's not canon to the books, which is what happened in Harry Potter. Fair enough. Okay, um, let's see, moving right along. Let's move the way. Let's see, see if I can find, if I can find this song, um, online. Is it the original one? I'm I'm trying to find uh, the original song because I thought I had it, but um, while 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 trying to find it, you know, I someone uploaded the the two the 2099 movie on um on YouTube, so I might just have to watch that. So, but um, I found a couple of opening themes. Um, let's see, uh, volume is let me. Fix the volume properly. There we go. Um, I think everybody knows this one. If it'll play. Yep. Yes. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows that one. Mm -hmm. And the reason it's so cheesy and cute. Yeah, well, it is the '60s. And the reason why we're playing this song, the first teaser trailer has been released for the upcoming Astro Boy reboot, and this is the sec. This will be the, I guess, the third reboot of the series because you have the original. There was also, I think, another version that came out in the '80s. Then there was another version that came out in, like, in the 90s. And then there was, no, early 2000s there was one. And then there was the movie reboot in 2009. So, uh, 6380 and 2003, that were the, uh, that were the anime adaptations of Astro Boy. Alright, cool, thanks man, I appreciate that. <clears throat> Actually, this reminds me of, uh, what this one panelist I was at at uh, Katsukon said that that this one and a uh, Cyborg Zero Zero Nine. Yep. I believe uh, Cutie Honey. Mm -hmm. These are a couple of animes that uh, you know, high technology is a, a big plot point, but uh, obviously the technology is with and surpassed the technology of the, that was uh, futuristic. So this is. Those animes that occasionally gets rebooted with the, with what we perceive to be, you know, you know, greater technological advances. Yeah. Also, in vain with that is Gigantor. 
That was the 60s version, and there was another version that came out in the uh, early, late 80s, early 90s. But, um, I'm pretty much imagining someone's going to mention a, like, two terabyte um, micro SD card in a, this version of Astro Boy. Well, Sandisk... You know, shit like that. Well, Sandisk has, already has a 200 gigabyte micro SD card in the works. It'll run you 400 bucks, but you can get it. And, yeah, give that enough time, and, and that'll be like 30 bucks at Best Buy. Well, I mean, yeah, because a, a 64 one runs you about 60 bucks and 150 for 128 but l l let's get back to the matter at hand here. This is a new series coming together with, th it's a joint venture between three different studios. Tezuka Productions from Japan, which is, which is the monkey for Astro Boy, Osama Te Tezuka. Karibata Animation from France, and Shibuya Animation from Monaco. Interesting. They're all going to work together for a brand new Astro Boy anime series. The reboot will feature a new story, while very much like the original Astro Boy, will be filled with things we have to see from the original series, which is known in Japan as Mighty Atom. Um, I'm kind of excited on the new spin on this, how, how they're going to take it. So, I always liked that about Astro Boy, that, that the original theme was just an instrumental, but then when they bought it over, someone got the idea to have a bunch of kids singing over it, and when they shipped it back Japan, you know, did the exact same thing. Yeah, and I that's mean, where the, uh, anim and that's how the anime theme songs had grown. Yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying. Um, also, remember they also did the same thing with Speed Racer, but they took out the Japanese lyrics and just put in English lyrics on top. Yeah, but the original it, Astro Boy in uh, Japan didn't even have that. Mm. Yeah, when you were playing the original theme, I was actually running the trailer, uh, the teaser, and it actually sounded really cool. Because the teaser is completely, you know, instrumental. There's no vocals. So having the vocals over that with a, a kind of techno-y sound you know, in the background, mm -hmm. was kind of cool. Huh. Or maybe it'll be like the Speed Racer film where they play the the old uh, the old theme during the credits. That was cool. You know, I actually have to sit down and watch that film. I mean, I wasn't feeling it, but I'm saying I would still watch it. So. It was pretty much a live action anime. Perfect. I wonder how this is going to affect the movie that's coming out. Movie? Uh, yeah, they're doing a live-action movie of Astro Boy. A another one? Uh, they're still working on it. Wow. Well, maybe this is the work in junction with it or something like that. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at this now. Yeah, it's a, it's only just in development now. Okay. The original movie was CGI, I believe, mm. from uh, the 2009 one. Okay. Makes me want to sit down and watch the old 63 version again. Okay, cool. Yeah, this is uh, Australia and Japan. Yeah, in yeah. Collaboration. I, think, I think we talked about that like a yeah. few episodes back, yeah. 
Yeah, so I wonder if there's going to be, you know, any talk about that or not. Hmm. Or if one will affect the other. I mean, it's possible. All right, moving on. Oh, goody. What? So, the, the next article. What's so bad about it? I'm not, I'm not saying it's, you know, bad, bad. I'm saying it's so bad it's good. Ten anime set in the U.S. Mm, okay. Shall we round robin this? Okay. All right. Sure. All right, who wants to go first? I'll go first. Go for it. Not all these try to think, try to depict typical human interactions in the U.S. Some of them are anime versions of typical American genres, such as the Old West with cowboys or superheroes or f fiction where the hero fights criminals and supervillains. <clears throat> Excuse me. Still others take a great narrative views of America as, as a setting to enhance the overall story. There's a good variety of shows on this list, some of them more stereotypical anime feel. Others definitely feel heavily influenced by watching storytelling. So, it's, number one is Hero Man. Yeah, and I heard of this. This was actually backed by Stan Lee. Mm-hmm. That much I do remember. Let's see. Joey is a young boy living in Center City. Oh, he's from Philly. <laughs> he's, he's always bullied, with, bullied by some of the rich kids at school. He works a part-time job supporting his grandmother, who he lives with. One day, some students are playing with a Haybo, a new robotic toy, but it's run over by a car when they lose control. But Joe takes it home, tries to put it back back together, and eventually becomes Hero Man. One night, Hero Man is hit by a strange bolt of lightning. The storm was caused by the arrival of an alien race called the Scrug. Am I pronouncing it right? I have no yeah, idea. Yeah, Scrugs. Like Hero scrolls. Man transforms into a giant version of itself with colors from the U.S. flag and blazing light. Now it's up to Joey, Hero Man, and his friends to stand up against the Scrug invasion. And if you look at this little piece of promo art, you can see the anime version of Stan the Man Lee in the background holding a cup of coffee. <laughs> I don't, I, I'm looking at this picture. I, I keep hearing Hulk Hogan's Real American playing in the background. <laughs> oh, God. Do you know I'm right? And obviously, Center City is supposed to be a stand-in for New York's, considering the Statue of Liberty is also in that same piece. I said Philly because I'm from this area, and someone says Center City, yeah. Center City they immediately think part of Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. Number two, Red Garden. This story centers on four female students from an elite school in New York City. Claire, Kate, Rachel, and Rose pretty much have nothing in common except they're all friends of another girl named Lisa. The school is in disarray after learning Lisa had committed suicide the night before. Classes are canceled, and the students go home, except for the four girls we just mentioned. They don't remember what happened the night before, and they have these visions of ghostly red butterflies. Each one has a vision, and they end up meeting at a scary park at night. There, they encounter a couple who are able to shed some light on what happened. The girls find out they were actually murdered the night before, and the only reason why they're alive is because they have been cursed to find and kill zombie-like creatures. If they don't work together and fight this threat, their bodies will deteriorate, and their new lives will be taken away from them forever. Interesting. It kind of reminds me of that show that that CW just started called iZombie, which is based on a comic. It's kind of interesting. Number three is the Big O. <laughs> Big O! Showtime! What if Batman was given a giant robot? <laughs> yeah, basically. Uh, 
40 years ago, some drastic event happened that wiped all the memories of the inhabitants of Paradigm City. Since then, people have been living in a haze of confusion with no memories of anything before the event or any hope of their future. Professional negotiator Roger Smith, along with Norman Dorothy and his giant mecca, Big O, take on the responsibility of keeping the city safe. He is hired to investigate various activities throughout the city slums and involving gangs and criminals. But as tensions continue to rise and violent actions break out throughout the city, it's up to Smith's group to uncover the past and lead the people of Paradigm into a brighter future. I love this anime. Me too. So do I. I wish I had got a chance to finish watching the second season. I'm sure if you find, if you search enough, you'll find it. Yeah, I don't think any. I don't think anyone has a li- the license for it. You know. Um, I'm not sure. Because, uh, remember, this was a Bandai title. Um. Well, they'd still have the license in Japan because it's yeah. only Bandai America that kind of folded. Fu- yeah, they kind of fucked it up. Yep. Um. Yeah, let's see. Sentai Filmworks. Okay. See, that's a series I would never sh- stream online to watch, like through a, like a subscription service. That's a series I'd actually pick up and buy. Mm-hmm. All right. It'd look good on the shelf. Yes, it would. Right next to my uh, collection edition of Cowboy Bebop. Which I keep saying I'm going to watch an episode from my... Be- yet to do that. You have a separate Stephen J. Blumvert, like a section of your collection? Uh, no. But I tell you what, if he was going to be at ZenkaiCon this weekend, you best believe I'd show up with that box set and be like, please, sir. <laughs> okay, number four, Bacano. Three captivating stories are intertwined with this mafia-themed anime set in Chicago during the 1930s. Even throughout all three are Isaac and Mira, two thieves who interact with the large cast of characters, create bonds, and undergo experiences that the viewer tries to make sense of in this time-shifting anime thriller. All three stories are told from different perspectives. Also, each story has a mostly different cast of characters, so it definitely benefits you to pay attention to the story arcs. Otherwise, you may miss out on some subtle but key elements of the narrative. The first story focuses on the mafia and alchemist working the great to create an, ex- an elixir that gives it its user immortality. The second is during the first transcontinental journey of the Flying Pussyfoot. Theme seemed cheerful and ho- full of hope and for the people on board until a train robbery occurs and massacre ensues. <clears throat> the last tale revolves around Eve Genoa's search for her brother Dallas. During, during her journey, she becomes entangled in a turf war between two feuding families. I've heard nothing but good things about Bacchano. Uh, I agree. I, I'm just weirded out a little bit. How come? Why is that? Um, if you look at the information, because it gives you, you know, how many episodes and the genre, mm-hmm. um, the information that they have listed is 13 episodes. Yeah. If you look at the art, which I'm guessing is a cover of the DVD, mm-hmm. it says 16 episodes on four DVDs. <laughs> so, yeah. You fucked up. You, you fucked, fucked up. up. You, you fucked, fucked up. up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know if that... I mean, it could very well be, you know, OVAs and special things, but at the same time... Eh. All right. 
Okay. Next up is yours. I thought I just went. No, Pat Mako had a big O. Okay, alright. Number five. Blood Blockade Battlefront, known as Kekikai Sensen. I've never heard of this one. Neither have I. Actually, no, wait. It's 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 new. It's new. It starts next month. Episode not yet aired. Yep. Uh, of course. Tragedy strikes New York City as it's destroyed in a single night and immediately filled with monsters that have arrived from another dimension. A barrier is created to keep the monsters from for, and the people from escaping. Curiously enough, it doesn't stop the people from entering. Blood Blockade Battlefront, or B3, is an ongoing manga that will receive its anime adaptation this spring. The manga has a long build-up with attention placed on developing this unique world. The type of monsters have crossed over and the interaction with humans. The series is made by the creator of Trigun, so it has similar character development and pacing. Not much has been revealed with the anime adaptation, but check it out if you're a fan of Yashiro Naitao. You you had me at Trigun. Yep. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, um, Bacchano. It was 13 episodes that aired on TV. Episode 14, 15, and 16 were initially released on the DVD. Ah. Okay. So they didn't fuck up. No. Well, technically. They should have put... it is technically still 16 episodes, yes. even if only 13 of them aired. Mm-hmm. I'm going to guess the final three were sort of like... I guess epilogues to three stories or something like that. Who knows? Yep. All right, number six, Gungrave. The show begins with the reveal of a character called Beyond the Grave. He was created as the perfect killing machine. Grave is intent on destroying Millennium and killing a man named Harry McDowell. The story then shifts to the past. Grave was once a regular man. His name was Brandon Heat, and he was actually best friends with Harry. But after a, tragic, after a tragic incident, they are forced into joining the city's biggest crime syndicate, Millennium. From there, the story follows Harry's rise to the ri- uh, through the ranks of Millennium. All the while, Brandon stays by his side as a loyal companion. However, something will happen that will ultimately cause a rift between the two and turn Brandon into the revenge-seeking monster he is today. Mm. I remember MTV actually aired this anime. Oh, wow. When was this? Oh, this? Let's see. If I'm looking at it right... the all right, It aired in Japan from 03 to 04. Uh, Genion picked up the licensing around 04, 05. So it was around 05, 06 that MTV aired Gungrave. I'll, let me see if I can do a, nut, a quick uh, check on that. Uh... Ugh, pardon me. Should I go with the next one while yeah, you're uh... Yeah, go right ahead. Yeah, yeah. Number four, Pet Shop of Horrors. This isn't your typical pet shop of puppies, goldfish, and hamsters. Count these shop contains rare and exotic animals. It attracts the kind of customers who do anything to take one of these, pe- these one-of-a-kind pets home. And he happily obliges. <clears throat> the customers take their lovable pets home after signing a contract with Count D., Terms of which state that he cannot be account- held accountable for anything that may happen should a customer break the stipulations of the contract. Of course, some customers don't take the warning to heart and accidents occur. Fatal accidents. Cute. Come and enter homicide detective Leon Orcott. 
He is, he is investigating these deaths. He discovers a common link among the cases, the pet shop. Leon is determined to find out what exactly happened to these people and what are the most behind the pet shop owner's actions. Huh. I had no this idea is this... actually a really, really interesting anime. Mm -hmm. I had no idea it took place in America. Yeah, I think it's L.A. If I if, if I remember yep, I correctly, just, just saw it on uh, Wikipedia. L.A.'s Chinatown. Why am I not surprised? Are you having a a Gremlins flashbacks? Maybe. Okay, I'll stop. <laughs> all good man next Ranma, you were up okay see I couldn't even find the actual dates because it's it randomly just for some reason but whatever <sighs> number eight chrono crusade this is on my ser list of series I w I really want to watch demonic forces are on a rise in New York City what the fuck is it with everybody picking on New York City it's the biggest city in the country and the one that the rest of the world knows the best. Yeah, it's the most well-known around the world. It would either be New York or L.A. Give it to Chicago. No one gives a fuck about Chicago. Or Miami, at least. But, anywho. Demonic forces are on the rise in New York City. The only organization capable of fighting this threat is the Magdalene Order. The story follows two of the most powerful members of this, of this squad. Rosette Christopher is our main protagonist. She is a 16-year-old exorcist who goes on missions to fight and exorcise demons throughout the city. Though she is dutifully follows the organization's orders, her main focus is finding her brother Joshua. He was kidnapped by a demon named Ion. Chrono is the second protagonist and Rosette's partner. He is a demon with the ability to change his appearance into three different forms. He seems gentle, but he is actually in a constant struggle with his demonic nature. Together they fight against the forces of evil. But while they're battling demonic threats, some dark secrets from their past also begin to surface. Interesting. Alright, number nine is Gun Frontier. The Gun Frontier is a barren wasteland located in the western frontier of the United States. The harsh elements and the treacherous landscape are the breeding grounds for tall tales and legends. It is a place where the minds and wills of men are tested to their limit. In a town called Samurai Creek... A clan of Japanese immigrants were massacred. Only a few managed to survive. Uh, Tochiro Oyama is one of those survivors. Captain Harlock is Tochiro's faithful companion. What? I'm guessing it's not that Captain Harlock. I know, but what? <laughs> yeah. He owes Tochiro his life, so he tries to repay by helping his friends search for the remaining survivors of the Japanese clan. In particular, they are looking for the samurai's sister, rumored to still be alive. Throughout their search of the wasteland, they come across bandits, corrupt officials, and find an ally in a mysterious woman who seems to carry a dark secret. Did this series ever come over? I don't remember seeing it. Same here. Um, I don't know. Let me check. Same here. Um... Okay, if you go to the wiki, it is the same Captain Harlock. What? It's a 1972 manga by Leiji Matsumoto. Oh, okay. I understand now. Yes. What do you know? It did come over. Uh, licensed by Media Blasters. 
<laughs> That's... Huh? <laughs> it's 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 one of the many Harlock stories. <laughs> oh, I, it's yeah, it's a side story kind of thing. Because if you look at the other characters, they're the other characters from uh, mm-hmm. Galaxy Express. Mm-hmm. Okay, and number ten is Batman Gotham Knight. This anime movie contains six short stories. Each animated story is created by a different Jan- Japanese animation studio. So even though they all have a unique artistic style, they create a somewhat coercive analogy that bridges the gap between Nolan's Batman Begins and The Dark Knight. Ooh. Every story contains a different facet of Batman mythos. They touch on how he deals with pain, the types of gadgets in his arsenal, and the rogues gallery. Batman early on in his career is a crime fighter, so it's nice to see his, his struggles fleshed out a bit. It makes his eventual rise as a true champion of Gotham that much more rewarding. And the first thing I thought about when I saw that is, how do you say I'm the goddamn Batman in Japanese? (laughs) I think I've seen this. I think, um... Yeah, I think this is one of the ones that was, uh... Part of the first Arkham game. If you got the Game of the Year edition what you got a copy of this or i think so it was one of them i think it might have been this maybe not i'll have to i'll have to look to register participation for this week's episode of anime jam session on vognetwork.com use the passphrase kettle watashi wa wahidori manda Ah. That's apparently how you say I'm the goddamn Batman in Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let, now let, let's get on to the, the next story here. And, and I had fun with this one. <laughs> okay, okay. So, I'm going through the outline. I put it together, and I noticed this story... And I just happened to say something like this on my personal Facebook just to see people reacting. Mostly, everybody fell for it. Mostly. So. And I just... And I just simply said, Disney Channel to air- is airing Love Live. I just left it just like that. But, you know... Because I didn't say which Disney Channel was airing it. But anywho, Love Live School Idol Project is being aired on Disney Channel Japan. Starting on April 20th, the Disney Channel in Japan will be airing the first season of Love Live. The show is scheduled to air Monday through Friday at 9.30pm and 12.30am. It will also be featured on the Disney Channel recommended shows for April. Love Live was launched by Anime Studio Sunrise. Wow. Atlantis and ASCII Media Works, Dengeki G Magazine, as a project that will let fans vote for the future of their idols. And if, if the word ASCII Media Works sounds familiar to you, especially the word ASCII, yes, same ASCII company that made all those great controllers and joysticks for the 8-bit and 16-bit consoles of the day. Since its launch, there have been music CDs, which have been followed by animated music videos, the series, which was in 2012, with the first season in 2013 and the second season airing in June of the same year. Along with the animated film set to film set to premiere uh, in June, Love Life has an app which is a fun it's a fun game. 
I will tell you this. The, the basic premise of Love Life School Idol Project is one girl... Uh, why can't I... Well, her name escapes me now, but she's looking for a way to save her school from being closed. So, over time, it's her and her friends. They create a group called Muse, and they become idol high school idol singers. They figure the popularity of the group will keep the school from closing. I will say this much. If you've watched K-On, you're going to like Love Live. If you've watched Glee, you're going to like Love Live. If you hate it, Glee, you're going to love Love Live, pretty much. <laughs> the best way I can say Love Live is K-On with a touch of Lucky Star, because it's the music aspect, plus Love Live is, has that slice of lifestyle to it. And there's the game, Love Live School Idol Festival, which is for iOS and Android. It's a fun rhythm game. If you like playing um, Hatsune Miku Project Diva F, this is right up your alley. So, and um, we were, and the funny thing is, as we were talking about this on my personal Facebook, it would be pretty cool. This would be a Disney. This would be a series Disney probably would air because it's clean cut right across the board. I can see them merchandising and marketing the hell out of this. I think it really would work. Maka, weren't you a band geek in high school or something like that? No. Well, weren't you a, a music geek in high school or something like that? No. Were you just a goth chick? Pretty much. Okay. <laughs> well, you like karaoke, don't you? Yes. Then you're going... I, I, I think you should try Love Live. I, I would tell you, give it three episodes at least. And I think you'll get, be hooked on it by episode three. Well, I've been meaning to watch it. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't like the um, the mobile game. How come? I'm not into games like that. Oh, okay. Um, so, I mean, I played it. I played around with it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it seems like a fun plot. It is. But, you know, the game never interests me. Hey, that's all good. I understand. I understand that completely. All right. Okay. We'll let the song end out because we're almost at the end. So, and while we're doing that, I suppose I could go ahead and open the Skype line. There we go. And we are on the Skype line. Let me go ahead and bring up our Facebook page. So that way we can get into the open forum topic of the week. Every week we, we bring you, we ask all of you, the fans, your opinion on a topic in the anime or cosplay fandoms. And as always, if you don't use your real name, just let us know and we won't use it. Just whatever name you want, it's all good with us. And this is this week's open forum topic. Karaoke. We all love it. Well, most of us. When you're out karaoke with friends at a bar, lounge, or at a convention, what are your go-to anime, J-pop, K-pop songs? In other words, when it comes to karaoke, what do you like to sing? I don't, personally, I don't do karaoke anymore because my voice is officially shot. I can only do certain songs, but I'll tell you the ones. 
I used to do back in the day. Um, from Sarah Ackerman, she says, One of my favorite passages of the con, other than the cosplay contest or the photo shoots, is karaoke. She's always singing, whether in my church or just laying around at home, making up random words to the tune of Animal Crossing, which I know a lot of people do that. Um, she likes to sing Inori from Romeo X Juliet, which. Uh, yeah. The uh, opening theme to Attack on Titan, Gurino Yamiya, which is, uh, like I said, opening theme to Attack on Titan, that makes you want to get up and fight somebody. Uh, a fight in a karaoke room. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Burns, for him, it's Fly Me to the Moon from Evangelion, and he sings it with a Frank Sinatra style twist, which is cool. Um, yeah, that's kind of a cheat, though, you know. Yeah. And for him, a lot of the Tenchi and El Hazard songs, because that's, cause I think for a lot of people, the anime songs to sing kind of opened up when Pioneer started releasing English soundtracks. And what's cool is that they had, I think they had just a Japanese soundtrack, then they had the English one, which was the same thing, except that they added the English tracks on there too, which was really awesome. So you got the best of both worlds. From Serenity41088, uh, she sings hers is World is Mine by Hatsune Miku from Vocaloid. Others open anime officer from Sailor Moon and Inuyasha. Okay. Um, from Rangers Arena, Search for Your Love by from by the Starlights and Sailor Moon Sailor Stars and Forever Love by X Japan. See, Search for Your Love that was a song that that, that I kind of grew on that. Now. When I used to do karaoke, my two go-to songs were It's Love by Rabbit from Ronma One Half the Movie, uh, Big Trouble and Neckin' Long China. And my other go-to song was uh, Renai no Seno, or Talent for Love, which is the ending theme from Tenchi Muyo's first OVA series. After that, that's when I realized my voice was starting to crack and go, and I'm like, I can't do karaoke anymore. And I think a couple of years later with a, my friend Kelly, who I'm still friends with, she dragged me up on stage to sing um, Manga Maniac. And, and I, I, I just played it up to the hilt, and we actually won a prize for doing that song, so that was kind of fun. And I I think one of the prizes I got was an FMA keychain of of Al in, in armor. I think I still have that, like, that heavy part of it, because the actual keychain part fell off. But I think I still have it somewhere in my house. I think it's in one of my storage bins or something. Well, I think you gave me the actual keychain part of it. Probably. <laughs> I think when you were moving, you were like, here, do you want any of this crap? And I'm like, yes, and I took it all. <laughs> So, so, so maybe you have Alphonse now. Yes, I think I have Alphonse. All right, if you do, please take a picture of it and send it to me because I, I'm, I want to post that on my friend's Facebook. If I can find it. Okay. I have moved since then. It could be anywhere. Gotcha. All right, all right, Marco. I know you love to sing your song. So, what are a couple of your go-to songs for karaoke? Um, I don't do Japanese songs. It's all American versions, and most of the American versions are Sailor Moon. If 
you know, I can get them. Okay. But I don't tend to go for anime and J-pop or anything like that. It is not in my vocal range. But so you mean to tell me you you won't sit there with a hairbrush and sing uh, "Power of Love" from uh, Sailor Moon? I didn't say I wouldn't do that. <laughs> I have, and you know, as I said, the English versions of the Sailor Moon songs because those are damn catchy. Yes, they are. I have that soundtrack, and I I have it on tape, and I've probably worn that tape out by now. <laughs> But yeah, my go-to is not, you know, Japanese anime or anything like that. My go-to is actual um, American music. And usually guys, because that is my vocal range. There we go. Too bad there's no um, instrumental version of this song. And and I think the, the girl... The, the singer of this song, she's actually a guest at a con coming up. I would not be surprised. And also, uh, this is Jennifer Sihi. Also, she's the girl that says Hot Pockets in the commercials. Mm-hmm. Talk yeah. about a never-ending residual. Come on. Yeah. Shit, man. I mean, come I on. I just find it hilarious that, you know, oh, yeah, look, Sailor Moon. Hot pocket. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the AMV Hell skit for that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, Ari, what are your couple of your uh, karaoke songs you like to do? Honestly, I hardly ever do karaoke at all. Ah, uh, okay. I have had a couple of uh, things I wanted to do. I have a. Uh, I uh, put the uh, the links in the chat. <clears throat> Usually, have a I guess like fan made songs. Yeah, they were. Oh really yeah! Oh yeah! The co- a, yeah! Like the couple, yeah! Series. Yeah, that's actually one of my favorite Tetris uh, re- song songs. Uh huh. A complete history of the Soviet Union is told by a humble worker, arranged mm-hmm. in the melody of Tetris. And the other ones I put in the chat were uh, <clears throat> stronger, which was for the uh, abridging of the tenth anniversary Yu Gi Oh movie, and uh, from. The HD revert, revision of uh, Street Fighter 2 Spit and Narcissism, which was a uh, Vegas theme. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, because uh, they asked the people from a bunch of people from Overclock Remix to. Uh, yeah, yeah, I had that. Do, sa- yeah. Yeah. I have that soundtrack. All right. One thing I've always wanted to do, though, is tease that I'm going to sing the opening theme to Pokemon and just look at everyone's face as they. As uh, they prepare to sing along, and then it just cuts in into me belting out Miz as a Pokemon Master. There's like five different versions of that song. Yeah, but th- they hear Pokemon yeah. theme and, th- and you think the uh, English one, and I said that just for the. just yeah. to uh, swerve them like that. And I get. I imagine I'll get like two or three lines in before, you know, I get branded a heretic and chased around the convention. Mmm. Or, my blood. No, no, you'll just get drowned up by everyone singing um, To Be a Master. Yep. Like, da, 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 da. Yeah, They're I mean, like, if we're going to go f- into video games and stuff like that, then uh, my video game uh, karaoke of choice is Silent Hill. Well, I knew that was coming. So. Yeah, because the music from that series is awesome. Okay. 
All right, since we got no calls on the Skype line, I'm closing it out, and we're going to go ahead and do uh, news from Japan. I'm taking the last one. Of course you would take the last one. Yes, I had to. <laughs> you know, I, I, I gotta have music uh, queued up for that, okay? Okay. Come on. Okay. I'll go ahead and take the uh, first uh, first one. Okay. Amazon Japan employee investigated over child porn. And this is why I'm cool with you taking the first one. Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> Japanese authorities are investigating a worker at an Amazon unit in, who claims he was involved in the sale of child pornography. The unidentified man in his 40s posted a graphic picture book for sale that showed new girls that supposedly are under 18, according to GG Press News Agency and the Asahi uh, Shinbun paper reported, as per police sources. The temporary worker who was dispatched to work at Amazon Japan Logistics, an affiliate of the Japanese arm of Amazon.com, was in charge of the project management and distribution, the report says. A customer who purchased a book online returned and complained that the book appeared to be child pornography, but the employee relisted it on the online store. As part of the investigation, prosecutors are focusing on another man allegedly involved in the book's sale. Neither police nor Amazon Japan will confirm the reports, but the internet retailer said it was cooperating fully with the authorities. We have regulations that any products posted on Amazon's site must comply with Japanese laws, as the statement that they put out. The case comes after the police reportedly discovered about 10 arrested child porn vendors have put up nude photo books and other similar material on Amazon.co.jp, which is Amazon Japan's website. Local media said authorities raided the head office of Amazon Japan and distribution center near Tokyo back in January. Japan has a large porn industry. Well, no shit, Sherlock. <laughs> and at least a third of that porn industry is on my hard drive. But anywho. But I'm bummed. Japan has a lot. drives, plural. No, trust me. Just one drive. Trust me on this one. Japan has a large porn industry and visitors are sometimes shocked by the ubiquity of the sexual imagery and the huge volume of material available. However, in June of last year, Japan fell in line with other major developed countries and banned possession of child pornography, but sometimes graphic pedophilic images in manga comic books remain legal. Campaigns have long urged Japan to toughen its stance on child pornography, complaining it was a major source of the material for global markets. Ah... <sighs> The internet, not just for porn anymore. <laughs> the internet is for porn. Mm, I know. For porn. Shall I go to the next one? Go right ahead. A high school teacher arrested for drunk driving. Police in Kofu, Yamanashi Prefecture have arrested a 54-year-old high school teacher for driving under the influence. According to police, a car driven by Tadahide Tokutake crashed into a park truck inside a parking lot around 4 p.m. Wow. School's barely out and you're already getting smashed? Come on now. <laughs> Arrested after failure of breath tests and admitting that the suspect denied being drunk. So I guess, you know, teachers in Japan don't carry around a little hip flask with the 
the old liquid courage around with them like uh, teachers in this country do? I don't think so, Tim. I, it, it, this reminds me very, very badly of... Um... <sighs> oh boy, what happened? No, I'm trying to think my mind blanked out. Not, that's not the first time that's happened. No, it's not. You've had drunk high school teachers before? No, I was thinking about an anime. Mm. Azumangadayo? Yes, thank you. <sighs> yeah, but they at least had, had the decency to get drunk while off the job. <clears throat> yes, but they went out drinking as soon as they were out of school. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. But, I mean, this one is, you know, 4 o'clock on a Sunday. So, <laughs> Sunday is the one day that they have off. Because they usually do half days on Wednesday and half days on Saturday. Hmm. So, this was the teacher's day off. <laughs> and depending on the school, I might be drinking at 4 p.m. too. <laughs> it's happy hour somewhere. Yeah. Hey, five, hey, five o'clock was 20 hours ago. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the only issue is, obviously because it's easy for the Japanese to get drunk because they don't have, you know, the enzymes to help to break down alcohol. This person could have only had two drinks and been, you know, stumbling drunk. Lightweight. <laughs> yeah, try drinking with a Japanese person. You'll see just how big of a lightweight they are. It would be fun, though. Oh, yeah, it's tons of fun. But they are big-time lightweights. Anyway. Ready? Yes. Oh, boy. Well, I had to find their theme, so, you know. Deal with it. Yeah. Buddhist monk is arrested for filming up girls' skirts on an escalator. Um, police arrested a 41-year-old monk by the name of Moroku, that fucker, for using his smartphone to, f smartphone to film up the skirt of a 16-year-old girl as she was on the escalator at uh, J.R. Otawata Station in Kanagawa Prefecture. According to police, the incident occurred at around 9.30 p.m. Saturday. The monk was identified as Moroku, that fucker, <laughs> from the temple in Hadano. The girl was on a long escalator with her father when she suspected that Moroku, who was behind her, was using his smartphone, smartphone to film up her skirt. The father grabbed Moroku and smacked him. Um, no, not really. Uh, Actually, that is true, because there's an update report saying that Sango decided to come out and bail him out of jail. Um, but yeah, basically, uh, the guy was quoted by police as saying that he had filmed up young skirts, uh, young girls' skirts many times before because it made him feel horny. Moroku lives! <laughs> Just imagine him sitting in the, like, sitting waiting to be bailed out with his arms folded and a big red, red handprint on his face and you're like, eh, worth it. Yeah, as a Sango cosplayer, I, I had to read that one. Sorry. Well, don't forget, there is that one Moroku cosplayer that has Hello Kitty's panties on his staff. 
Yeah, yeah. That, you might want to rephrase that a little. No! I'm serious. Hello Kitty panties? Yes. Yes. You might sound like their panties are specifically belonging to Hello Kitty. No, they are Hello Kitty direct, uh, decorated panties. Yes. That he has on his monk staff. Mm-hmm. And as Serenity41088 says, I feel sorry for Songo. Yeah. Yeah, well, the fuckers ended up getting married, so <laughs> I don't feel too damn sorry for her. <laughs> no, I just feel sorry for those who actually liked the ending to Inuyasha. I didn't mind it. I, I thought it really should have been different, but I didn't mind it. Never saw it. You ain't missing much. I would have preferred her going back to the future and finding, you know, the demon still alive. But that is definitely, you know, fan fiction and, you know, fan kind of thinking. But yeah. But, yeah. All right. Now that we got that out of our system, we'll go ahead and take our last break and then wrap shit up, so. Okay, then. Fuck Morocco. But you already have. We'll be back!
that was a good episode. Hopefully by this time next week, it'll be a little bit w much more warmer. You know what I'm saying? We can only hope. I know, yeah, right? Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. If you like what you heard, tell a friend. They in turn will tell another friend and so on and so forth. We are independent bloggers. We do this for the fun of it and because we love y'all. Uh, check out our website at AnimeJamSession.com. Uh, we do have our Katsukon article up. Um, we also have a, a video interview with Yaya Han that we did last year that's up. I got some more videos that are going up onto the site soon, so be in store for that. If you have any questions about the show, drop us a line at podcast at AnimeJamSession.com. We did get an, uh, an email from a, from a listener of the show wanting to know about the music that we play. Um, just let us know which episode it is, and I'll tell you. I am. I was working on sort of like a list of music we play on the show. Um, if I can finish it together, I will post that so you can search by episodes or whatever. Um, check out our podcast, which is available on AnimeJamSession.com. If you can't access our podcast due to issues, firewalls, or your job or whatever, you can get us anywhere. You can find us at Podcast Alley iTunes, Stitcher, Miro, Double Twist, Blueberry, Xbox Music, and TuneIn Radio. We just ask if you listen to us on iTunes and Stitcher, a couple of five-star reviews, that's all we're asking, you know. We're nice guys. Check out our YouTube page, youtube.com slash TV. If you've been there recently in the last few days, you'll see there are some more videos up there, so definitely check those out. I am going to get a couple more videos up this week before uh, Zenkai. Um, if you want to follow us on YouTube and see what videos that we like or whatever videos that we do end up posting that we do, you can find me at youtube.com slash DJRunMess. Ari is at Ari22682. And you can find Mako-chan over at Jupluna. Definitely check us out on twitter.com slash session. Follow us there so you know when we're going live, when art what articles are posted, what conventions we're going to, and all that cool stuff. If you want to follow us individually on Twitter and see what makes us tick, cool. You can find me at twitter.com slash djronmas. Ari is at the Ari Man. You can find Mako-chan over at Joe Videa. And uh, facebook.com slash anime jam session. Yeah, we finally were affected by the, by the purging of dead accounts. But not by much. But you know what? We still love you, and we still appreciate all the work that you've done, which is all the likes that you've given us. As long as you continue to like the page, like the photos, like the articles, everything, we're going to bring you more content. We want you, we want to do the work for you so you can live vicariously through us so it won't be so bad that you missed that convention. If you want to follow us on Facebook and see what's going on, you can find me at facebook.com slash imdjronmess or thatdjronmessguy. Uh, Ari is over at Ari Rockefeller and you can find Makochan over at Makoto Makochan Kino and as we said at the top of the show we are on the Vogue Network live Thursday, uh, Tuesdays at 9.30 with Encore Presentations Thursdays at 1 but we're not the only uh, podcast on the Vogue Network there are other podcasts that'll tickle your, your uh, geeky fingers and so forth if you like Doctor Who Various British programming, what's going on with books, movies, television, pop culture, movies, all that cool stuff. There are four different shows that we have on Vogue that you definitely want to check out. Uh, Critical Myth, British Invaders, Pod Culture, and Understation Live. Four, four different shows, four different points of views. Definitely check them out. 
And if you like what we do here on Vogue Network, you should come in early and check out Electric Sisterhood. They're here 8 p.m. So that's Ninja Sister and Pandalicia. So listen to them at 8. Check out some awesome um, Vogue music, uh, our pre-show, and then us. If you like Star Trek, check out the Starboard Power and Coupling Podcast, which is here on Thursdays. Um, if you play MMOs, World of Warcraft, Final Fantasy XIV, you want to hear what's going on with other MMO games or, M- or massive battle games like League of Legends and Heroes of the Storm and other cool stuff, we have Electric Sister. No, we have Girls Gone Wild Wednesdays at twelve, and then we have Horde House live Wednesdays at ten. And also, we have a brand new addition to the Vogue Network family, uh, the Geek Card. They are. I believe they are I don't think they're live yet but they come on right after us on Thursdays so right after you listen to us at 1pm listen to the Geek Card Thursdays at 4pm and then we all bring it back to Sundays with the Bobby Blackwolf show and Orange Lounge Radio two of the longest running uh, gaming shows on the internet if you ask me Um, if you like hearing reviews about video games, what's going on in the gaming industry, and you want to hear it from a non-biased point of view, someone that's independent who's going to straight shoot you and sell it like it is, that's Bobby Blackwolf starting at 8 and Orange Lounge Radio at 9. The cornerstone block of Vogue Network programming right on this network. And now we're going to go around the room for last words. Last words, Mako-chan. Um... I'm currently watching a woman with gigantic boobs smash things with them. I know who you're talking about. You might have to link me to that, but at least you're not watching... I, 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 yeah, I, I posted it on Facebook. Well, at least you're not watching that one video clip of the girl who has the Gatling gun in her ass. Uh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's some type of new age live action magical girl uh, movie. Uh, okay. <laughs> Last words, Ari. I'm debating on which flask I want to take with me to the convention. Either the Legend of Drunk one or the the Dude of Biden ones that Mako got me. Ah, uh, if you bring oh. the Le- if you bring Legend of Drunk, I might have to bring Super Bar Hop Brothers with me. <laughs> uh, she said. You think so? Why not? My uh, final words, um, I'm going to start packing, you know, for the con in just a little bit, or at least start just laying the clothes out that I need and then get ready for this interview tomorrow and all that good stuff. So, yeah, that's it. End of list. Ugh. Um, That's it. Uh, like I said, we, we are still be here Tuesday nights. We'll be taking off day after uh, Memorial Day. Um... Other than that, we will be here. Uh, okay. Alright. It's time to get up on out of here, so... I'm Ranma. I'm Ari. And I'm Mako-chan. Great fight, great night. See you next week. Good night, everybody. Night. Say good night, Mako-chan. Good night, Maka-chan. I'm gonna punch you this weekend. Swear to God. Punch you this weekend. Good night, Maka-chan. That's it. No booze for you.
That's dirty. That, 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 that's playing really dirty. Yeah, I know. I'm good like that. Good I'll just have to bring wine myself, so... I'll confiscate that, too. Cannot. Watch me. Mine, 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 mine. Watch me. Mine, 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 mine. Can I close the show out now? Please. Yeah, go ahead. All right. Thank you. This podcast has been a production of Anime Jam Session and AJS Productions. No fanboys and fangirls were hurt, maimed, shot, electrocuted, or pistol whipped in this episode. For now. The views, opinions, and thoughts expressioned on this show do not reflect the staff or the network as a whole. But we're still right, dammit. For transcripts of this episode, start typing. Check us out at AnimeJamSession.com and VogNetwork.com for more information about us and other programming. Jamatane!